How's it going, folks? And welcome to the Wild Thing Podcast. This is your John Moxley Career Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Joey O'Darty, and it's my job each week to walk you through a period of the career of the purveyor of unscripted violence, John Moxley. We will look at everything in his career, from his early days on the indies to where he is today, a main event level talent in all elite wrestling. So that means we will look into everything from his stint in FCW, his run in G1 in Japan, and of course his time as the lunatic fringe dean ambrose and wwe including his popular time with the shield as this is the first episode allow me to give you some insight into how this podcast was conceived i'm a wrestling fan since 1990 and i've always loved discussing the highs and lows the good and the bad of professional wrestling now from reading the autobiography of john moxley which is simply entitled mox if you haven't read get on it I've been inspired now to re-watch his wrestling career and document my findings here each week in this podcast. So if you're a fan of the man known as John Moxley or Dean Ambrose and wish to hear some uneducated yet glorious chat about the man himself, then strap yourself in, ease the seat back and get ready for a trip down Moxley memory lane. This is Wild Thing. Today our topic is a feud between Dean Ambrose and the wily veteran William Regal from the development days in Florida Championship Wrestling. And today, my guest is none other than the host of the AEW Match Guide podcast, which is available on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. From Wrestling Headlines, it is Sam Brown. Sam, how are uh, you doing I'm very well, day? thanks, Joey. Thanks for getting me on. Uh, people who know me know that I can never shut up about Dean Ambrose and John Moxley, the, the the wrestler that is. So I'm I'm stoked to be here uh, on this podcast. I'm stoked that you're doing this podcast. Can't wait to listen to all of the episodes you put out about this. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to be on it in in one of these early episodes talking about um, Dean Ambrose and in in a formative moment for him as well. So yeah, let, let's get going. <laughs> Yes, yes. And first thing foremost, like obviously let people know what's your background in wrestling? When did you get into it? And what is probably the best thing that you've ever experienced in professional wrestling? Yeah, look, the I got into wrestling at a, a funny time. Most people I, I find talk to about wrestling, they got into it when they were a kid. Um, I didn't actually do that. I think I played a few w i know i played a few wrestling games i think i played a wcw one and a wwe one but i i definitely never watched wrestling as a child uh and and i stumbled upon it when i was at university um so when i was 18 years old 19 years old and i was watching i, I randomly stumbled across a smackdown highlight show um that was on australian tv at the time and free-to-air tv um because wrestling over here is primarily on, on pay tv which i didn't have as a kid so I never saw it. Um, but I stumbled across a, a highlight show uh, and was in captured by, get this, Batista versus the Great Carly. <laughs> My <laughs> the word. The match they had in the main event of SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, they had a, Batista was in a great little rivalry with Edge. And, and I, I don't know, there was just something about it that, that, caught my eye like these two real larger than life characters in so many ways uh and embroiled in this like really kind of funny little story and and at the time of course i didn't know what was real and what wasn't i kind of knew that wrestling wasn't real but i was like how does this work though is is it that they work it out beforehand and then just they fight in the ring or what happened? And, and like, I then went down a rabbit hole um, initially watching a lot of Batista and edge stuff. They sort of were the two conduits to get me into things at the time. Um, I got into Chris Jericho versus Shawn Michaels was a feud that I, I really enjoyed as well. And of yes. course edge went on to have 
a great program with The Undertaker after the Batista thing was just more like a side plot that I'd stumbled across that he was in at the time um, to a broader feud he was having with The Undertaker. Uh, and, and that's sort of, I was, I was off to the races at that point. Uh, as a wrestling fan, dug into things like I love digging into Mick Foley, bought a bunch of Mick Foley stuff, read his books, love that. Uh, and and that's how I got into wrestling. Typically speaking, Sam, what floats your boat, though, so people can get a gauge of what you like? You know, what 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 gets Sam Brown going in professional wrestling? Yeah, look, the thing that I always come back to when I'm enjoying wrestling, I love the athletic side of it, but the thing that I love digging into and that I love talking about is the character and story part of it. Wrestling is a really unique medium um, in terms of the way it can tell stories. You look at any other thing, even like long running soap operas, right? Like they'll, you'll watch an episode of that and they'll skip, you know, half an hour for us might be two or three days for the characters in that. That's not the case with wrestling. Everything happens at the same pace that we're experiencing it. And, and that just gives so much potential for such long-term and intricate storytelling and character development that happens over a really slow time, but it's something that you can really dive into and sink your teeth into because it's happening in real time and it's happening over such a long period. Uh, and and that's why one of the reasons that I love Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, um, who we're talking about today, because I think he is a guy that has been, has a really complex character that has revealed itself over time. Uh, and he has had some of the best storylines that have, uh, that have happened in, well, I think have happened in wrestling. Like you, you asked what is my favorite thing in wrestling? Um, it may be different now, but if, if you'd asked me, you know, back in 2019 before AEW came around, I would have said without hesitation that Seth Rollins versus, um, Dean Ambrose and the relationship they've had from when they met in FCW through to when they like reunited in 2017 was the greatest story that wrestling's ever told. And I still, in many ways, will ride for that story, um, that particular that particular five years of story um, a lot because of just how dynamic it is, how fleshed out the relationship and the two characters are. Well, you talk about character development and story progression being your thing. Did you have any memories of the character of Dean Ambrose in FCW? Did you have any sort of, you know, fondness or even recollection of Florida Championship Wrestling, which was the precursor to WWE's NXT developmental system? I've previously watched the Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose stuff. I've previously watched this William Regal stuff. Haven't seen anything else in FCW, really. So, um, actually, no, that's a lie. I think I saw a Brian Danielson and Loki match at some point many years ago <laughs> so um it's i don't the details of that are very hazy but uh, i definitely have watched these um those two programs the rollins and the regal stuff um beforehand uh sorry what was the question again joey i've, I've forgotten what i've so you're good you're good dean ambrose he starts off in fcw this is his force he comes in he, it's his promo. He just comes in and get, more or less introduces you to the character. So you've seen this promo. You've seen what he's like. You, you can see the shades of Brian Pillman, Roddy Piper, yep. Steve Austin. What's your opinion and how did he present himself? It's very interesting. Um, it's a, He's got a weird way of carrying himself. Um, it's not a way that any other wrestler even tries to do, <laughs> which is interesting. It almost, um, to apply it to like a real life context, it almost reminds me of, I'm not sure if you're an MMA fan or not, but it reminds me of the Diaz brothers. 
they're always sort of like a little bit awkward. Um, <laughs> they're always like scratching their head or looking <laughs> off to the side or something when they're they're giving it when they're doing an interview. Um, it almost reminds me a little bit of that. And but I love how like the brilliance of Dean Ambrose of this of this guy as a wrestler is that he can say the most cliched wrestling things, um, but it sounds completely believable and completely different coming out of his mouth. Like what he says here is forget what you knew. I'm going to blow the doors off. Like how many like basic ass wrestlers have said that um, forget what you knew because the man's here to blow the doors off. Like how many people have <laughs> stared down the barrel and said that. And, and that's like, what he says here, but because of his delivery, because of the way he carries himself, um, the, the other verbiage he's got going around it, like, you believe it on a different level and it hits on a different level to anyone else. Um, and that's the magic in, in Dean Ambrose. Like for, for me, full disclosure, I'd never seen this moment until obviously rewatched. So like this was completely new to me, but you can see this guy's got an aura about him and not obviously in the same way, but you can see like how Hook and Jade Cargill have that something about them. You can't really put your finger on it, but they've got the swagger. They've got the visual look. They've got the, they've got verbal skills. This guy, vocally and verbally, he's he's got tools here, and he's in the process of piecing all these pieces of the puzzle together. Like, yeah. he's, he's like we see that today. We have it in John Moxley. Back then, he's he's got something, just something with this mm-hmm. guy, and it's easy to see what the likes of Regal, Triple H, you know, even into a lesser extent, Tom mm-hmm. Pritchard, seen in this guy going. On. And and did you notice, um, who was interviewing him at this point? Nick Namath, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed the, the former Broly person, yeah. and he's it, he's such the a Hollywood geek. blonde. He's right here now, <laughs> compared to what we want. I love I love his stick at the moment with the uh, the wingman. It's fantastic little you know lower yeah. card act, and he does that it's, really well. But back then he's so he's so generic and he's so he's so cliche. It's like oh this isn't this guy. Isn't it crazy how much of a small world wrestling is though? Like you know like. <laughs> Years ago, he's in a promo. He's having a pro, like he's he's the ring announcer, and Dean Ambrose is giving his debut promo in FCW. Like for, fast forward many other years forward, and he just like he's in a he's in a match with <laughs> with John Moxley in, in AEW or a very you know, quick match. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, very quick, very quick. Um, and, and and one one other just with this debut promo, one other detail I like is it cuts to William Regal and William yes. Regal's just like looks so excited um by like Ambrose's hunger and just puts him over so well, um, saying like how how great it is to see people with Ambrose's hunger. Oh, it, the the smile is like a Cheshire cat. He sees something mm. he likes, and it's like it's like it's that little bit of a fire ignite. He's like, oh, I like this guy. I like this. And yeah. This is this is there's there's obviously a little bit of he reminds me of me. He this is this is it, and it's yep. great foreshadowing for what we get. Like it's it basically this is a developmental feud. So it's like you know it's very small scale in terms of and well produced because compared to obviously more things on the main roster or in any other sort of promotion at the time. But you can see this is a great little seed, and it's gets so beautifully has things go on he has to feud with Rollins and he has obviously really some really good matches there that gives him a props him up in the FCW but then you know it eventually comes to the point where like obviously someone has the idea let's put him with William Regal let's go with this there's something here let's go and it culminates in this battle royal melee you have here in FCW towards the October of 2011 there's a lot going on bodies flying everywhere Maxine if you can remember her from NXT days she falls over and the chivalrous William Regal comes to her aid and during this whole melee Ambrose 
he takes another glance. He spots something and he's thinking to himself, hmm, maybe I've got a little opportunity here. The, the, the wheels are turning, you know, like, and it's it's what did you make of how this feud began? Yeah, it's kind of odd how like he comes out and he's in like a jeans and a leather jacket and everyone else is in their ring gear. And, and he's like very obviously not getting involved in the melee. But uh, you mentioned it before, like the, the wheels are ticking over in his mind um, as everyone leaves the ring. He sort of notices out of the corner of his eye that Regal's over there. And you can see him making the decision like almost in real time. He's like he's he's tempted by it. And he's like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't goes out and then he looks back and he's like oh but i really want to <laughs> and you, you see him like go through those methods of temptation and then ultimately give in uh and just go over and and immediately attack regal and man i just love how regal so quickly like goes all right we're fighting and just like unloads <laughs> I, I can't remember who the announcer is he just says you just opened a door i don't think you can shut and I was like, oh, yes. this is perfect. Like, that's the perfect way to put this thing over. And the, the commentary from watching segments over the course of this, like, six, seven-month period, like, the commentary is very simple. They obviously haven't got the same, you know, Vince McMahon yelling in their ears. Don't get me wrong. You probably have, you know, Tom Pritchard or Bill Demott probably yelling in their ears, probably not to the same extent. But the commentary is very good at just highlighting these guys, strengthening them, building them up, covering them for them when necessary. And, like, I think they do a great job. But just like you said, that line there, it's, it's fantastic. And... I loved Ambrose just weighing up the situation. He's he's, he's making his yeah. mind up, and he's like a, a, a young lion thinking this. No, I got the old guy here. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pounce on this guy right now, and he wants this scalp. Yeah. And you know, like, and in a weird way, you can see Williams like, you know, he's he's, he's approving of this. He's like, you know, in a weird kind yeah. of yeah, gives him an applause afterwards. Yeah, yeah, they're both like smiling. They're like, yeah, yeah, I like this. And, it's a real and, uh, unsaid mentor pupil man. dynamic, and it really yeah. works. I just think like it's it, he clearly isn't his, his, his pupil, but in a way they are. He's obviously looking at this guy and thinking, himself, yeah, I want to be kind of like him, and if I'm gonna want to be like him, I'm gonna have to take this guy out. And like absolutely. I, Regal's commentary after the fact, like he's still, he's he's harping lyrical about this guy. He's still putting them over. Like he's like he's like he's in love with him there. He's infatuated. He's like you know, it was clearly it was amazing for him. And like you know, you could see this like you know the the, the pride is nearly coming out of Regal with every sort of mouthful that he sees what he sees. He sees someone who loves hurting people. He sees the same sadistic quality in the younger guy. Yet he's obviously very inexperienced. Ambrose and it's like he takes a shine to him. And it's 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 a fantastic mm-hmm. mentor student dynamic that i think is twisting his head and i i personally loved it uh there was one really good line that i think regal had in commentary and the one that obviously jordan won ambrose's matches and he's like you know i think if spiron saxon says hey what do you think's going through ambrose's mind he's like i have no idea what's going through his mind he's so unpredictable and i love it he's like i've no idea what's good what's that, <laughs> why i love him that's why i love him and like it's it just makes so much sense and it, like, it's just it's so simple storytelling but it's very compelling absolutely Given the two men involved, you have obviously great storytelling. Obviously, see as we come forward into their career in hindsight, you can see this is this was easily Regal probably leading Ambrose towards this thing. But they have great chemistry. But obviously, individually too, they they can go and they're people that you want to see in a fight, especially in hindsight. I'm thinking like Ambrose is he's a great brawler. Regal can go. He can be very technical. And he can he likes a bit of pain. So the story for me here is simple. Like you know, young lion targeting old lion, Ambrose versus Regal, and we come to the first match. The 
end of October 2011. And basically, you know, like this is the first real, you know, big feud for for Regal in FCW. It's been a long time since he's really got his teeth into any sort of really big at this stage, you know, from a WWE point of view. So, you know, first of all, what, what did you think of this match? Really good. Really interesting. Um, it's It's like such an interesting subversion of what you expect to happen in this situation. Um, cause of course, like when they're in developmental doing these sorts of things and, and Dean's obviously been made to be one of the, like this, the central stars of FCW, like you think that he would win, uh, and that is doing this to like put him over and give him a little bit of a rub, but that's not what happens. Um, like Dean is in a fight that he's not ready for, uh, and William Regal is, like just a man reborn and just reveling in how ruthless and brutal he can be taking apart this, this pretender um, almost not, even not a pretender, but like, as you said, like there's almost like a student pupil aspect to this. And Regal is almost showing Dean how much further he has to go. He's like, I know you could, you'll get there one day, but you've got further to go, and I'm going to show you that by showing you like myself in in full brutal mode, and I'm going to take you apart, and I'm going to hurt you, and you know you're not going to enjoy this, but it's I'm like, going to enjoy doing it. <laughs> it's nearly like he's like training him up to take himself out, like he's training this assassin who is basically his objective <laughs> is going to be to take him out, and that's like like yep. the the match itself. Like I think first things first, like Regal coming down to the ring, he's like a bride walking down to the altar to meet his his love of his life. He is smiling from ear to ear. He is absolutely. I don't know if this is intentional or not, but he's in, he's enjoying himself. Absolutely, yeah. And and you know, like in the video package before then, he's like, I have a tear of joy. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's such a, it's you know, such a, and I'm, I'm finally feeling alive again for the first time in years. <laughs> the flame is back. And he, Ambrose yeah. loves this. And Mox he even references in his book. He referenced that whole promo in his book, Mox, which is an excellent book if you haven't had a chance to check it out. Mm. Obviously, being a Mox fan, I have. But it's it's you can see this meant a lot to Ambrose at the time. This is like so, this is a big deal. He's getting a rub from a guy he really admires and like it's it's perfect for him and like the match itself like don't get me wrong like i i enjoyed the match but there, it's it's very it's 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 a fight it's this this there's nothing fancy here in terms of you know like really like high flying moves there's never going to be with these two guys there's no real smashing exchanges in terms of you know smooth silky you know transitions these two are going to try and kill each other yeah and it's really creative in the way it does it though because like the central piece of this match right is that William Regal pins Dean Ambrose's arm in the turnbuckle and just knees the bejesus out of it. Like he is ruthlessly assaulting Dean Ambrose's left arm uh, to give him that lesson. Uh, And then he stretches it afterwards and and he's like reveling in that brutality he's dealing out, like he's stroking his chin while he's doing it, like observing the handiwork that he's done. But we we spoke um, on my podcast, I'm not sure when, what the timeline of the releases for this will be, but we spoke of where John Moxley obviously had an eye patch. (laughs) And one of John Moxley's like greatest attributes is how he fires through those sorts of obstacles and fires up. Um, and that's what happens in this match. Like he fires up, but he never actually, he never gets back to using that arm. Uh, and, you know, in a lot of, a lot of 
matches where someone will work over a body part towards the end when they're getting into the final stretches that body part will be revitalized or reused but he doesn't at any point in this match he continues to fight with one hand with one arm and with his other one his left arm lying behind his to have the exact same thing written down it's it's fantastic like it's just little simple things it's so easily forgotten when a match is going on someone's working over a body part that like when the baby face forest back up it's just like well, well he's fine now what, what, wait, what was the whole point of that this was he could he's selling his arms gone limp the whole focus is on the psychology side of things that he's going to take this arm out and like it's just it just makes so much more sense and again it's something so simple it's smart it's logical mm. and for me as well like you know it, it's fresh it's it's very fresh mm. Yeah, and and towards the end, like when Dean knows that he's beaten, he's like almost begging for the finish, uh, and he's like happy in the fact that he knows he's about to get killed by Regal, <laughs> like he's about to get knocked silly by Regal, and it goes back to there's I'm not sure if you've seen this promo, but there's a a, a famous promo that he did, and I think he actually talks about it in his book, um before he was in FCW, and he talks about like I'm a really nasty person, I drive real fast. And I like to bang ugly chicks just to see how it feels like. And he's he's like really happy in this moment because he is experiencing this new thing that he's never experienced before. And he's about to get put out. His lights are about to get put out by Regal. And he's like almost reveling and excited in that moment, which is a really interesting thing for a, a wrestling character to be like the relationship that he has with pain being that he almost is getting joy out of receiving it. Uh, and, you know, as I said, an incredible job of selling a mix of selling that the pain that he's in but also fighting through it but then also being happy and reveling in the fact that he's you know he's getting taken out essentially i love the spots where he's getting his arm trapped and it's just like it's just this doesn't get you know used enough in professional mm-hmm. wrestling you know like the turnbuckle like the the selling of the, how he's trapped in the uh the steel steps and how he's like he, he's kind of left there after regal walks away like i was like yeah like this is it makes sense he's putting this whole spot over and it's like it's simple it's effective and like for me like i think like again there's some really good moves in there some really nice exploder suplexes the knee trembler finish was the put ambrose that was misery look really well like overall i really liked it like i think it was a sense of realism i enjoyed it, it was a bit slow at times dragged at paces but regal is of course he's, he's at the stage of his career where he's never going to do anything really at breakneck speed but you know i prefer my matches probably to run at a faster pace but you know at the same time like it was it was fine i really enjoyed it if you were going to give this a match rating yourself what would you have given this first match oh that's a tough one i honestly i'd probably say probably three and a half stars um given that my i guess my star rating system would be that Obviously, two and a half is bang average. Three is like good. Four is really excellent. Um, getting towards ec- like excellent. Five is like all time great level. I don't think this is at the level of what I'd call excellent. Um, it's as I said, it's really creative. It's telling a really cool story, but you know, it's it is only it's not aspiring to be an all timer. I'd probably go with three and a half. I went with 
three and a quarter myself like it's a perfectly fine tv developmental show matching it's a, it's a yep. small enough feud now, unfortunately dave himself dave Meltzer, hasn't reviewed this match that i'm aware of it's not oh, on, come on dave yeah i know right it's not on it's grapple I've, I've i've looked on grapple i can't see any sort of you know heading for scw so the only gauge really we have here is cage match which after 29 votes it gets an 8.43 that's a roughly you know every, everyone went probably over at least seven which no one really rated it really low so that's where we are but for me like, it does not say wrong. i'd say probably the only people that are the only people that are rating this are like massive dean ambrose fans so, exactly. <laughs> so i'm not surprised like, it's high like, obviously that's we're the big of fans. A, above four star match yeah yeah but we're big fans we have to be objective as things like i have to call a spade yeah. a spade like it's it's yeah. did, it didn't blow me away i don't see where it gets the fandom from it's really good it's nothing bad mm. it's it's a enjoyable match but nothing more than that but like the, the feud itself then continues and that's i think to be honest with you it's building up to hopefully the next match and the rematch and that's where i think we're going to get the payoff or at least that's where it's expected to go so mm. i'm happy as this is a starting point this is a good match i'm as happy with three and a quarter i can i again I'm a bit more less generous than most people, I think. You know, I think it takes a little bit more to wow me than most people. But yeah, I, I, again, it's, it's nothing wrong with this match, whatever. But we continue, we go forward, and Ambrose goes on to his obviously his, his other stories, and Regal goes back to commentary. But the story is still simmering under the surface. Like, it's Regal still reinvigorated to an extent. He feels like Ambrose has reignited his career nearly. He's, he's got that fire and that passion a little bit. He's enjoying taking Ambrose apart, even though he kind of knows Ambrose is probably going to be the guy that's going to take me out because he's he's bitter. He's hurt. Not only is he physically hurt, but his pride is hurt. You know, he, he wants to get that regal scalp and he wasn't able to obtain it. And what did you make of, again, it's a developmental build. It's it's very sketchy and it's very, you know, it's very loose. But what did you make of the build to the next match? You know, regal commentary, Ambrose trying to goad him, trying to get him back into things and everything in between. I love just how much regal Dean allows Regal to live in his head. Um, like he's Dean Ambrose at this point is like obsessed with taking out Regal. Like nothing else matters to him. He doesn't care about the championships. He doesn't care about other things. He just wants this revenge. This is like, this is the pinnacle for him now. Um, and you know, like he tries all these different ways. He tries playing up for Regal's pride, you know, saying like, yeah, sure, you beat me once. That was a fluke and you know it, even though I was the beaten one. Like I, I demand a rematch, you know, <laughs> um, and and like almost saying, you know, he starts using um, using Regal's stretch as well. Yes. Um, and he's almost like saying like, you don't have the right to take this away from me. I, I deserve to have this rematch. Um, you don't, and you don't have the right, even though this guy is the winner, right? Like he does have the right. He can say, "I won." Like I don't have anything else to prove. But Dean's like saying, "You don't have the right to take this away from me because I, I need it so much." Um, and I think the the way that he describes it in one of his promos, he says, "A loss like this loss, it's a dull blade twisting in me." Like it's all he can think about. It's all he can do, and he wants to give it back with interest to read <laughs> like, he's just so obsessed with this um with what happens and you know it foreshadows how he will so completely obsess with what seth rollins has done to him for years um and that will be like the driving force of his character for years when he gets betrayed by <laughs> seth rollins and and that will even affect like for instance you know down the line 
he gets betrayed by he, it, it seems minor right um but he gets he lets another this is 2016 smackdown um he gets betrayed by james ellsworth and like for any character him. that might be minor like that's minor he's a comedy character but for dean ambrose this is like another guy who he's let in and has betrayed him and so like of course he wants to murder james ellsworth of course he'll like throw him to brock lesnar and, and watch him get murdered because he you know he's been betrayed and he's obsessed like his mind is obsessed with being betrayed uh and and this match at this point what regal is has done to him is what's obsessing at the time it's the the bailey effect nearly you know like baby faces are designed to be you know be eventually betrayed aren't they like that's the thing for example bailey has always been betrayed especially in her infancy yeah when she was a hugger she made friends with everyone whether it's becky sasha charlotte they all turned on her and you, you gotta think this guy needs to you know she needs to turn the page here and stop trusting people she's too, too much of a good yeah. soul and ambrose fair enough this isn't the same kind of dynamic here but there is that kind of you know you've you've, you've betrayed me I, I need to get this i'm supposed mm. to beat you i'm supposed to be and i'm not yeah. getting what i want i I want this and and like regal like, again he's like he's so good at just his character work he's downplaying things he's trying to trying to you know not give Ambrose really too much ammunition, but by not doing that, he, he's giving it to him. You know, he wants it's like it's like a kid jumping on a swimming pool, like diving board, watching his father to you know, like come on, watch me dive, Dad, watch me dive. And, and yeah. Regal's just like, I'm too busy reading the paper, I'm, I'm good, you know. And <laughs> but like, did did you see the the Bronson um segments here, like where he uh, the end up doing the double Regal stretch? Like, I think that was a really good visual. Yeah. And the melodrama yep. usually can take too far, but I felt this was just the right amount. Looking at each other, staring with the jewel. Like for those of you who don't know, Regal gets attacked here by Bronson, and he ends up throwing him into a, a Regal stretch. But then he gets attacked by someone else that comes down. But Ambrose makes the save here, on you know, uncharacteristically, because he wants Regal to himself. He doesn't want anyone to take that. He's going to do this. Yep. And he, they both have the dueling side by side Regal stretches, and it was such a good visual as if you know, like I can do this too, and I'm enjoying this. So like, yeah, we're both enjoying this, and we're going to enjoy this further. And like it, it culminates then to this this match here, and it's obviously one that's obviously very big and obviously wrestling fandom for whatever reason. Like it's a myth I've heard about this before. I watched it with Regal and Ambrose. This is the match you gotta watch, and I now obviously just put it to the side. Never gonna watch it. But from reading his book, and I was like, this is one of the matches I want to start off with. I want to start off with FCW Dean Ambrose Regal. Watch this, find something new, and see exactly what makes this match so special. And like again. Dave doesn't give it any stars. There's nothing that I can find on it. There's nothing on Grapple. So we're going to see you in cage match, uh, Sam. So what did you make of this second belt and obviously the defining moment of this feud? And super intense, like, and, and such a great bit of sequel wrestling uh, in how they build on what they've previously done. Like, you know, this time when they're in the ring, there's no uh, there's no trash talking. And Dean is just super intense. All like, business, Dean just, Ambrose. Oh, he he looks like he wants to eat William Regal for dinner. <laughs> he's, um, you know, like he knows he's going to kill Regal to his bones, like deep in his soul, he knows he's going to kill William Regal. Um, and he doesn't care. And you know, like to jump to towards the end, like he doesn't even care about winning. Even he just wants to beat William Regal. Um, and beat him down and take from him that pain that was dealt that was um dealt out to him those years like i think it was how long was between these matches it was a long time i think it was over a year even yeah, october um, to june 
So you've got at yeah, least nine nearly, months of yeah, yeah. festering. Yeah, yeah, and he's going to like give back all of that pain that it cost him. <laughs> and like JR and Dusty, they're on commentary. First of all, I'm straight yeah. away I'm instantly hyped. You know, like it was yeah. it was like I'm no disrespect to the guys who were on the last show, like but this one just felt that this has got big match feel already. You've got the good old JR who's a legend, you know. You got Dusty who like I could listen to this guy talk all day no matter what he says. Like <laughs> this, these these guys have it. They keep the the Ambrose like he's 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 nearly you know catonic he's he's staring him down there's no goofy ambrose here which he can be obviously a lot of people critique him about over time there's no facials here that are over top he's focused it's all business before the bell rings and regal regal's just regal he's still here like and first of all like you see this change in, in regal's trunks first of all like he's not going with the shorts he's going with the singlet here what did you think of obviously the presentation of this match and how it felt Oh, I didn't. I didn't mind the change. I mean, obviously, Regal's um, not necessarily in his peak ring shape. Not that he ever was, you know, like a huge body guy or anything like that. So I don't have a problem with him going to for the tights. I didn't really read anything into it story wise. Uh, I'm not sure if you did, but um, yeah, I, I thought it looked good and, and definitely Dusty and Jr. being on commentary added a level of gravitas to this match. Feel extra special. I don't know how often they did commentary in FCW. Maybe. They they did it all the time <laughs> who knows um but you know it, it does make this match feel extra special having those two there and like the, the obviously the, the storytelling here before we get to the matches like the arm is still a focus this has been mm. a focus obviously yep. the last match it's cost dean ambrose the match he had with seth rollins because his he yep. just couldn't keep going because of his injury so this has been a nice long-term sell job it's been subtly done it's been obviously been used and you know very very much so in a storytelling point of view like they come full circle here it's still bothering them and for real straight away like like a like a a shark to a drop of blood he zones in on this and the story of the mm. first oh, i think i've counted about seven minutes it's all regal yeah and regal's like just such a master of like the dark arts <laughs> you know he's like stepping on dean's hand and his head when he's walking around and as he said spot. he's just going after that left arm again yeah yeah and he's just going after that left arm again and you know Dean's selling it like he's still almost affected by what happened in that first match, but he has been a man possessed and he has the cardio that maybe Regal doesn't to sort of come back. And when the term, when the time comes around, he like pops his shoulder back in, banging it against the turnbuckle. Um, And then when he gets on offense, he just rails on Regal Um, and, you know, like Regal selling, we talked about Dean Ambrose's selling before, but like Regal's selling is incredible as well. He looks like mixtures of terrified, in pain. He looks groggy. He like stumbles about, you know, and then he just explodes um, with, you know, when it comes time for him to fire up and, and hit a bit of a comeback as well. The way these two structure this match is is really cool. Oh, it, it's it, Regal. I think redoes well, especially in the open six minutes. He carries it in the sense of psychology wise, and the, the the match. First of all, it's so much smoother. It's much more tighter. You know, like I think the strikes are just yep. really brilliant. Like I really love the story here, and already it's exceeding for my expectations what the last match had. And like I love the. You don't really rarely see someone being so clearly dominant so early on, especially if they're the face. Mm-hmm. You know, like and it's. Yeah, it's like all regal. Ambrose got no offense in until the seven minute mark, and that's when he kind of comes back into things. And 
unfortunately then Ambrose of course like he he ends up you know like getting the better regal tossing him right over to that exposed turnbook which I found of, I loved how he did that by the way that exposed turnbook mm, spot yep. where he's trapped in the stairs it's just again it's simple it's effective it makes sense and like it's it's literally desperation from Ambrose he's in trouble he knows he's already had seven minutes of punishment this is this is him trying to get himself a little bit of an avenue to try and get himself back in and it works really well and of course he stomps the hell of him in that corner when he gets him in there so much so that his ear unfortunately gets cut open he's hard it looks like he's hard by busted open his blood is yep. everywhere and this is like again like it's obviously unplanned and things obviously have to go home really quickly because it appears that Regal is very badly cut open. Trainers are in, you know, this is obviously in the inception of when WWE don't like to have much blood in the shows, whether it's <laughs> even in the developmental. And like the, the match kind of em- ends on a bit of a whimper in that sense. Like, you know, like it's, it, this, this is really heating up for me. I was really into this. This is so much better than the last match for me. And then the kind of the legs cut underneath it, unfortunately, kind of rushed to the finish. But what did you make of, of that closing segment? No, I loved it. I loved it. Like it didn't even get a finish because the point at that point, like it didn't, the pin count didn't even matter for Dean Ambrose. He just wanted to dull out like all that pain and all that anger and and get revenge for his pride. And like, he's completely rabid when everyone comes in, like he's still yelling, you know, it's interesting. Rollins is one of the guys holding him back. You know, this, this ending reminds me of like a real fight where, People have been like, oh, this is starting to get over the top. We need to break this up. And, like, the two guys are still yelling at each other and, and uh, like, they still want a piece of each other almost. And, you know, not that by the, at this point Regal's out of it, but Dean still just wants to keep going. He's just completely lost it. Um, and, like, he's just completely lost himself in, in this chase that he's he's doing. And, you know, there's there's a lot of um, comparisons for, for John Moxley's early character, before FCW and Dean Ambrose early character um, with the Joker, um, particularly in like his mannerisms. We talked about, you know, early when we we're talking about his first promo. Um, and this just reminds me of that, uh, that line from the dark Knight where the Joker goes, oh, I'm like a dog. I don't even know what I'm going to do. If I catch the car, <laughs> like, I just want to chase it. Like, like Dean doesn't even care about the win. He just wants to keep getting at Regal. And, you know, by the end of it, Regal's almost like begging him to finish it because he, he knows he's beaten and he, he just wants to, um, he wants it to, he wants it to end. Cause he, you know, he's passing the torch onwards, but not even that's enough for Dean at that point. He's, he's just completely lost it. Oh, I, I felt like it was really frustrating. I imagine oh. this had to go home early, but it was. If, you, if you're in the crowd at the time, I think it you don't know Yeah, yeah, I think it would have been would have been a letdown. And if you're watching this live at the time, I think it would have been a letdown. But I don't know. Watching it now in hindsight, I kind of love the ending, and I love the creativity oh, of and the, the bravery well. of not even going with a finish. Yeah, like they didn't even call a DQ finish or anything. They just like called it off. They were like. This is too much. We're getting out. <laughs> we can't can't deal with this level of brutality here. He's gonna kill him. <laughs> like well, from a, like a, a purely match, you know, pure sort of look at aspect, it's like I'm disappointed. I wanted to see this keep going because they're mm. cooking. These guys are cooking. Yeah. And finally, I'm getting the match which I sh- I wish I was got got like in back in October. And these guys, these, these two guys are killing it. And it's disappointing that I got cut over, but. The way to adapt it, you adapted the whole way that like it's seamless. Like the, the the match fair enough doesn't probably raise the the bar could raise to, but from a storytelling point of view, it probably it's probably even better because Ambrose looks yeah. like a badass. He's a killer.
killer. He's a psycho. He just he doesn't yeah. give two craps what's happening. He's got what he wants. He's got Regal. He's got him wounded. Re- especially that that final knee trembler. He's looking up to him as if they come on. No, I'm proud of you, son. You know, you're where you want to yeah. be. Ambrose just puts him out of his misery. It was fantastic. And then we get the the, the obviously the the superstars coming in. You got some Seth Rollins, Chris Hero, Juice Robinson, all coming in. You know, they're all small world. Wrestling's a small world. <laughs> Bo Dallas is there. You know, because like, oh, remember these guys? God, I haven't seen these guys in so long. And like, Ambrose looks like an absolute a maniac and a boss coming out. It's like it looks so well. He's put the old dog out the backyard. He shot him. He's got what he wants. And now he's like, what? Where to go now? Like, I've got what I wanted. And it's, I think it's it's perfect end to what this was. I think they adapted really well to the unfortunate situation. And like, Mox discusses this in his book. He's really proud of this whole match. And like, he feels that like while obviously he didn't get what he wanted in terms of the match he feels like what he received was as he puts mm. it even much more beautiful like you know yeah Bill DeMott made the call to sort of go home you got you got the blood he's hurt you got you got to call this like and it's, it, from a safety point of view it's the right call right even if we do hate Bill DeMott somewhat like but yeah it's the right call to make he's 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 called it and they, they adapt really well to try and make this something else and again it looks even probably better for Ambrose's character in hindsight than probably the way it probably would have went with a match, but we'll never know. But I really loved it. I thought it was an unfortunate ending that they really made, like, you know, they took shit and made it into something really good. Yeah, I, shit, I agree. And I, you know, they, they, they took lemons and made lemonade. <laughs> yeah. As I said, I couldn't care less that it, that it finished the way it finished. Like I, yeah, I, I love what it says for the story. Like, I don't even know if Dean, in the the state of mind he was in, I don't think he would have even gone for the pin. He would have just kept on going until like it had to. They had to break it up, otherwise they would have had like a dead body on their hands in the ring, and no one wants that. So that's it. And the, um, he admits yeah. he's back then. He's he's very much frustrated. He's looking at it and thinking, I want to keep going here, although I, I yeah. want to finish the match. He's he's, he's immature, yeah. and that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, and there's but there's very real frustration coming out as he's yelling as the fight's getting broken up, which just adds to the authenticity of the whole situation. That's it. And you can see he's, he's genuinely shoving these referees. He's throwing people around like like they're the rag dolls. It's like you know how much of this is Dane Ambrose just absolutely losing yeah. his shit. Like, and how much yeah. is this, you know, Jonathan Good losing his shit? But yeah. like, I, I admit, like from a match point of view, I think I've gone three point seven five stars. I thought this was this definitely three three quarters. And from an angle point of view, I'd probably even go four point five. It was it was a tremendous yeah. finish. I loved it. Yeah, all, all up, I'd go four stars on this this second match. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've waxed lyrics about it enough. Like, it's it's just really a really great and creative and it's brave to just finish a match in this way. Um, and given that it's in, like, developmental, it's just this whole feud does such a good job at, um, you know, just completely usurping the expectations that you'd have um, of, of a feud like this. Uh, I, I think it's a brilliant little feud. Uh, and... I, I, part of me goes, oh, I wish William Regal had done more um, with with developmental guys. But then another part of me is like, no, the fact that he only did it with one person makes it extra special. And if he'd done this sort of thing with other people, it wouldn't have been as special as what this, this actually is. Well, he did try and revisit a, a kind of similar feud in NXT with... 
Cassius Ono, which is obviously Chris Hero in the, you know when he mm. was in his first developmental stint in WWE. But again, like this feels special. I can see why mm. there's a bit of fanfare around it. I can see why people obviously like they, they do wax lyrical about it. Like I don't think it's probably deserving of the huge phrase it gets. I think it's probably the, the myth is probably better than the, the actual facts here, but I still really enjoyed it. Like I think like as an angle, I think it's really high up there with great storytelling mm. that puts Dean Ambrose over as a absolute force to be reckoned with and cage match they've come back here and they've in 9.05 on this they they love mm. this match yeah 37 votes absolutely. all above eight nothing below and so like you know one thing i can say is like people really enjoy this now again mm. from my point of view i think i've seen better don't get me wrong that's that's not a knock on this match whatsoever i think mm. that but this was entertaining especially as yeah. it, it, it culminated to the, the main point in the feud and while it probably didn't go as planned I think they delivered. Yeah, look, there are some people, right, like there's some people out there who I've spoken to that will still, to this day, say that the best Dean Ambrose has ever been was when he was in FCW. And while I love the Rollins feud and this feud in particular, uh, he's had many, many better, better matches and better feuds since then. I'm not saying in any way that this is the pinnacle of his career. But, yeah, this is an early highlight and definitely – for anyone who's looking for like who are the people that are coming through that are going to be special, this should be like standing out like a bright light, right? Like this is this is incredible stuff. This is doing um like getting Dean Ambrose the sort of fanfare that, you know, the NXT acts would get in later years when NXT became a lot more mainstream. Um but th- it's doing it on a on a scale in FCW that it hadn't really happened before as much at all. For me, obviously, I'm a big fan, but you have to call a spade a spade. And he has the tools here. He has the foundation of uh, he's not he's not green by any means, but he's not there yet. He still mm. has a lot to learn. He's still he's still putting those pieces of that puzzle together. Mm. And I think when you look at, let's say, his, his 2019 AEW debut, that's the finished product. That's that's where he is. This is where mm. he's suffered. He's learned. He's 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 been. Mm. And he, he's openly talks about this. When he went to FCW, he thought he already had this. He thought he's ready yeah. for the main <laughs> roster. But in hindsight, he looks back and he thinks, well, you know, what? I learned how to you know talk to the camera a bit more. I learned how to work towards the camera. I knew how to get my cues and my spots just a bit more tight and a bit more honed and I learned from the likes of Regal and the likes of Tom Pritchard and Joey Mercury he learned from these guys and he well he was a bit of a brash arrogant guy when he first went in probably like him from a wrestling skill point of view in hindsight he looks back and says you know what I needed that I needed to go there mm. I needed to reach to hone my skills and get me ready because when you see him on the main roster when he eventually does go up with the shield this guy is, is able to lead a six-man match with Daniel Bryan and Rollins mm. Over other inexperienced people like Ryback and Roman Reigns, and mm. it's it's this is this is what he needed. He needed this this feud. You can see in his first match, in my opinion, it wasn't as good as the second. Not to mm. say it was a very bad match or anything like that, but he definitely he grows as a performer. He evolves. Mm. He's put, like I said, he's putting the pieces together, and he gets to the point now where we look at him in 2019, he debuts AW. He has the pieces here. He knows what makes him work. He knows his strengths. He knows his weaknesses. They get highlighted. They get hidden, and he is an absolute, mm. you know, compelling character to this day. Mm. And I love that years later, um, in the G1, particularly in the G1 in 2019. Dean would have liberal usage of the regal knee. 
um, which is a nice little bow, a little full circle moment. Um, you know, when he's when he's in the most competitive environment he has ever been in and possibly ever will be in, he's going back and he's pulling out all of the tools um, and all of the things he's learned from the people that he's fought previously, and one of those is the regal knee. The one thing I like to always do now at the end of the podcast, and this is always the first episode, so what I always like to do is, like, what is your, Sam Brown, what is your best Moxley moment to this day? The best Moxley moment to this day? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I'll, I'll, I'll mention two. There's two that I'll always hold really close to my heart. Firstly, the reuniting with Seth Rollins in 2017 um, that sort of brought that whole character arc to a to a kind of a conclusion, I guess. Um, obviously, The Shield and Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins went on to do more things in the future, but I, I think that like put a bow on the the arc that happened when they after they split, they feuded against each other. Rollins changed, Ambrose changed, and they were able to forgive one another finally, um, and then go on in the field of battle to to win against a tag team, win the tag team championships. That was actually the reason that I started writing about wrestling in 2017. Um, that was the first point, the first um, article I ever wrote was about that, uh, and that was what inspired me to write it. The story that these two had told up until that point, and I could see that it was climaxing, and I wanted to write about it. So that was um, the first wrestling article I ever wrote. So definitely that moment. And then I would say that that week um, that there was where he debuted in AEW. He had the Jericho podcast midweek, and then he had and then he had the match against Juice Robinson. Oh, I'd say match. like that whole week was just absolutely phenomenal as a fan. I'd literally written a column um, on wrestling headlines that said uh, that Dean Ambrose is gone. The WWE doesn't deserve you, and I was like, I was really sad because this was the guy that was the linchpin of my wrestling fandom. The as I was speaking to you beforehand, I came back. I watched wrestling in those years and I came back in 2014 and the thing that caught my eye most uh, other than Daniel Bryan, which is what I'd come back to see was the shield uh, and particularly Dean Ambrose in it. And that that rivalry between Rollins and Ambrose had been like the, the centerpiece of my phantom particularly. And I was really invested in Ambrose as a character and as a wrestler. I loved watching him and I thought that he was gone. I didn't think he was going to wrestle again to see him come back and come back with a vengeance and like really vindicate like the thoughts that I had about him of what I thought he could be. I thought he, like, I still think to this day, I will never be swayed in this opinion that he should have been the WWE champion in 2016, the start of 2016. He should have won the Royal Rumble or he should have won the WWE championship at WrestleMania. He was the most popular person in face in wrestling at the time. And it was just ludicrous that the WWE was so set on someone that the crowd didn't want. The Triple H Roman Reigns match end up shitting the bed um, at WrestleMania. If you did indeed that Triple J, if you put that Triple H Dean Ambrose match at that happened like four weeks earlier at the main event of WrestleMania, it would have been a fantastic main event match and something something we're always talking about to this day didn't happen that way but i i was convinced that this was the guy who should be the man uh and could be the guy and over the years people dropped off and people started to question him but that week and then 2019 2020 
But that week in particular, I'll never forget because that was so vindicating to see like, yes, this is the man that I have put so much faith in, that I enjoy watching wrestling so much, and he is back, and he's back with a vengeance, and he's going to tear a hole in New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW. Um, so that that week after he returned is is probably my my favourite Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley moment um, that I'll always remember. Oh, I, I completely agree in the sense of he, that was the moment for him to be given the baton. You go to 2016 Rumble, people wanted him. They didn't want Roman, but they proceeded, and they, we all know what happened. But in 2019, I think we got the Dean Ambrose run like that we they even, wanted again. Sorry to interrupt. This is a... They even like they knew that Dean Ambrose was more over, and so they they took Roman Reigns out of the feud because and made Dean Ambrose do the feud for Roman Reigns. Yes, like that is not that is ridiculous that you would do that and then still go on and put like you're acknowledging that you understand in that moment that Roman Reigns is not the person to go with at this point, but you're still going ahead with it. Just ludicrous, ridiculous, and then yeah. It's mind-boggling the way they debunk things, but WWE, they'll always be WWE, and this is this is it. Now they they've they've made their money and they do what they want. But when it came to Moxie then in 2019, this is the run we wanted in 2016. This is what we wanted, and it culminated in John Moxley and you know Chris Jericho at, oh, um, at Revolution pay per view in 2020. But like, yeah, this is what we wanted. And again, it's clear to see this guy has something. The fans have always really, mm. at least they've, I don't think they've ever really shat on Dean Ambrose too much. They've always wanted to get behind him. He's relatable. Yeah. He he's he's passionate. What's not like the guy about this guy? But and and he went on to have the best face championship run in wrestling in the 2010s, like in that decade. Um, you know, like no one else, no other face champion has had a run as good as John Moxley did in the 2010s. I don't really think they know how to book a face champion. Even to this day, I still don't think they know how to do it. Like, mm. like you see, you see how they book face champions. Like, you know, like and they've always had a very bad track record of being able to do this. So it's been very refreshing watching AEW to see. Well, here's Hangman, here's mm. Moxley, whoever else is going to be down the road. You know, it's great to see they they, they actually know how to do this. It's not mm. impossible. It's not yep. rocket science. And like, unfortunately, it was never meant to be for Dean Ambrose. We'll segue now to the end, Sam. It's been absolutely fantastic. Discussing pro wrestling with you, and of course, John Moxley with you. It was a great match to get in, into. And first of all, thank you so much for coming on. If there's anything like you like to plug, where can people find you? Where can people read and listen to your uh, your content? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel, uh, and you can find my podcast, the AW Match Guide Podcast, um, which Joey is on or will be on, depending on the timing of this. And we talk about John Moxley versus Chris Jericho each week. I deep dive into some of the best matches in AEW history. So we focus on a match kind of very similar to what uh, Joey's doing here with focusing on Dean Ambrose feuds and, and matches and points of his career. But we just focus on a single AEW match, talk about the build up, talk about the match itself, talk about the legacy. Uh, and yeah, definitely give it a listen. As I said, it's on it's the AEW Match Guide podcast. You can also find it on the Social Suplex podcast network. So yeah, give that a listen. Let me know what you think. And uh, yeah. If you ever want to talk some Dean Ambrose or John Moxley, you know I will not be short for words. So you <laughs> can always hit me up about that. <laughs> oh, Sam, it's been a pleasure. I'm a big fan of your podcast and how you break matches down and just how you give a real positive yet, you know, very, very fair take on pro wrestling AEW sort of, you know, highlights throughout the year. And let's be honest here, thankfully, there has been AEW highlights. They are an absolute breath of fresh air. As you 
know, they've, they pulled me back into wrestling. So it's been great to be able to listen to your podcast, listen to how you obviously observe and analyze these matches. And again, listen, there's nothing not to like when you're discussing pro wrestling, am I right? Absolutely. Particularly when you're getting into like the things that you're that make you a fan. Like uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate for people focusing on particularly with what we the kind of media and stuff we absorb around wrestling like focus on the things that you love doing the match guide podcast talking about the best matches AEW's had has been a breath of fresh air for my fandom and and i'm sure this podcast series is going to be for you as well joey and, and the people that listen in thank you very much sam for coming on having a chat with us and don't forget guys you can get involved you can obviously tweet us at Mox Podcast, and of course, tweet myself at Awesome Joe. You can obviously talk to us about this particular episode or any other favorite John Moxley, Dean Ambrose moments, or feuds, or careers, any sort of opinions. We'd love to hear from you. Now, that's everything for today, folks. Have a good one, and join us next week. Bye.